I forgot this morning to tell my wife and my mother-in-law happy Mother's Day. Man, she's not even in here. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, I, love, I love my mother-in-law. She, uh, she's really uh, been good to me. She hasn't kicked me off of Wolf Mountain Road. And uh, that's saying a lot. I'm her neighbor, and, uh, but maybe the only reason she hasn't kicked me off of Wolf Mountain Road is because I cook her supper. And, uh, but I'm thankful for my wife. She, she certainly is a good mother to my, my boys. And I uh, gave props to my mom this morning, but I don't know what I'd do without my wife. We don't give our wives enough credit, men. Eh, some of you guys, you guys think you're going to lose your man card if you say that. Come on. We need to really give these ladies props. No buck. My wife's going to have to buy the CD because I gave her a compliment. She's not, she's outside, so. I uh, was wrestling about what what I was going to speak on tonight here, and I'm just going to do what God has wanted me to do. Sometimes He He gives you things, and you think, man, that doesn't seem it doesn't seem like the right timing. Doesn't seem like what what they may want to hear. But uh, God knows uh, a lot more than I know. So if you have your Bibles open. To the book of Luke, and then we're going to go to Mark, Luke seven, thirty-seven and thirty-nine, and then Mark fourteen four through five. Now I know you're tired, I know that, and uh, but I, I, I usually have eight or nine pages of notes, but tonight I only have about five and a half or six pages of notes, and uh, I usually tried not to be long-winded. And tonight I'm going to try my hardest. But I need help to preach. All right? Y'all were worshiping good and I know you're going to help me. I really, I really need it tonight. Luke 7, 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat with the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. And stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears, and did wipe them with the hair on her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. And now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who... And what manner of this woman is that he wouldn't let him or her touch him? If he knew where she had been, there's no way that Jesus would have nothing to do with her. For she is a sinner. And Mark uh, gave the same, uh, the same uh, Story in this uh, on this the woman with the alabaster box. I'm just going to read four and five, just continuing. Uh, Mark said some things that happened that Luke didn't uh, tell what happened. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, "Why was this 
waste of ointment made. For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. They had indignation towards her. And they said to her, What you're giving is a waste. And I want to preach to you tonight on this simple thought. You don't know like I know. You don't know like I knew. Now listen to me. The anointing of God is here. And there is somebody here tonight that needs deliverance. And you are going to get it tonight. Any question you've had in the past of why you do what you do and how you do what you do is going to be eliminated tonight. You could not give enough to Him. Quit questioning God. Quit questioning His Word. God is going to take that away from you tonight. The Word is blessed in the name of Jesus. Let's clap our hands. You may be seated. Amen. She was, she was a woman of desperation. She was a woman of desperation even to the point that she showed up unannounced, uninvited, desperate enough to show up at a Pharisee's home, taking the chance on getting ridiculed or possibly even put to death. Nevertheless, her mission, she was on a mission. Say, she was on a mission. She wanted to see Jesus. Why on earth would someone take a chance like she took? Why would you willfully put yourself in the way of that kind of scrutiny? Her actions could have caused her trouble. Her actions could have caused her death. And according to Luke 7 and 39, she hadn't been the kind of woman that you would want to be associated with. Probably someone that you would see her out on the street and you would uh, go the other direction because you didn't want anything to do with her. You probably wouldn't want to be seen with her because people would talk bad about you. For the Bible says that she was a known sinner. Uh, she was, But she was outwardly brave. She had guts. And at the same time, look at it, she felt inferior. I want you to notice with me tonight. Notice her approach to Jesus. The Bible says that she stood at His feet, not in front of Him, not in His face, but behind Him, weeping. Her objective was not to draw attention to herself. So she stood behind Jesus. Her approach was, I know I'm not worthy enough for Him to look at my face but I still want to be in His presence. I want to worship Him, but I don't want to be seen. I want to praise Him, but I don't want anything in return. I just want to be a servant. My identity is irrelevant. I don't want any credit for what I'm about to do. I just want to be in the presence of Jesus. She said, you don't have to look at me, Jesus. I just want to tell you how much I love you. 
The truth is that true praise and worship requires a humble approach into the presence of God. A true worshiper don't want anything in return. All they care about is to be in the presence of God. I don't know about you tonight, but I didn't come here for Jesus to see me. I didn't come here for Jesus to pat me on the back and give me gratitude. I tell you, I come here tonight because I just want to be in the presence of the Master. So I'm not going to stare Him in the face. I'm just going to stand behind Him. I don't know if there's anybody in here that's come to the same place with the same mission. But I promise you, if you do, you're going to grab His attention. She comes. She comes in uninvited. She stands weeping in humility behind Him. The Bible says she began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with her hair and her, and, her, and, and her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with oil. And right then and there, she poured her heart out. She poured her tears out. Her pride and her identity came out all at once. She poured out her life. She was vulnerable. She was bowed there under submission. What drives a person to do something like that? Where does one conjure up the faith to give like that? It was either out of desperation or it was purely out of an act of thanksgiving. But regardless the reason, when you give of yourself like that to God, you can't help but capture His attention. I pray to God that in this last day that the apostolic church would understand that that's what worship is all about. Not getting, but giving a spirit of brokenness. Not just a praise from my mouth. Not just a just emotion, but a praise with my heart, from my emotions, with everything that I've got. God don't want somebody just to tell him that I love you. He wants us to show us, show him that we love him. Breaking, breaking, hallelujah. 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 It's time that we get out of the mode of saying, well, he knows I love him. I told him a long time I loved him. But you know what? He needs to be showed that we love him. She showed him that she loved him by sacrifice. I ain't going to go in. You know what I'm talking about. We don't, I don't have to go any further. We are, God, I'm so sick and tired of the doctor, the religions that say God knows I love him. Listen, we need to show him by giving up things that we care about and things that we value. What's it going to hurt? I'll tell you, it's not going to hurt. It's only going to get his attention and he's going to give you eternal life. Find in the 11th chapter of John where John wrote of Mary. 
and Martha seeking after Jesus. Their brother Lazarus needed healing or he was going to die. And in the second verse of that chapter, John, he, he gave clarity of whom that woman Mary was that anointed the feet of Jesus, saying, This Mary, it's the same Mary whose brother Lazarus now lies sick, it's the same one who poured the perfume on the Lord and wiped her, his feet with her hair. We find that Mary, she's come to the feet of Jesus at the feet of the one that referred to himself as the resurrection and the power. She's getting ready to give an expression of gratitude that will eventually get her criticized by the one standing in the same room. I'm going to tell you something. When you break before God, it's, a not, it's not very popular with people. People's going to criticize you and try to tell you that you don't need to do certain things. It would be their opinion, their opinion, that she was doing something that was a complete waste. What she had in her hand wasn't just some cheap piece of artifact that you would pick up at a yard sale. It wasn't something that you would even sell anywhere for cheap. But the alabaster box, it was something of great value. The ancients considered the alabaster to be the best material uh, in which preserved the ointments. And the oriental alabaster is transluent carbonate of lime. It's, it's formed on the floors of limestone caves by the percolation of water. It is of the same material as our marble but differently formed it is compared to some of the finest material that Paris could ever offer or produce the box was something that uh, some wealthy person would have that that possessors uh, not to mention what she had inside it the precious perfume that she had inside of it was would would be envious any person would be envious any lady that that uh, would be envious of of what she had inside because what she had was worth a lot of money in that day uh, she could have just poured it out but what she did instead of just pouring it out when she began to pour it out somehow she conjured up the strength to begin to break it in two And her extreme actions and her extreme gift unto God unleashed critics that were standing by. Her critics looked at her and said, what you're giving is a complete waste. What she poured out could have been broke or uh, what she broke and poured out could have been sold. The money could have been given to the poor. But I understand what they were really saying. They didn't care about the poor. All they cared was about themselves. And they figured what she poured out, that they could have capitalized on what she poured out. Let me tell you something. Can I tell you why the devil hates it when the people of God become broken and they worship? It's only because they simply aren't giving to Him. When we don't worship and when we are not broken, it gives a signal to the devil 
At least he's not getting it. At least, at least they're not broken before Jesus. But I refuse. I refuse for me and my house to give my brokenness and my worship to anything else but God. I refuse to worship anything else but the God, the one we call Jesus. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Hold on. Notice how vulnerable she was. She's in a house where she was not invited. Living in a culture where men were supreme and ruled over women. She's a sinner. She had all odds against her. Everything in the world was against her. She's in a room of self-righteous Pharisees and people that looked down on her. And they were openly degrading her to her face in front of Jesus. Somehow she ignored it. She kept weeping. She kept breaking. And she kept pouring out. And then some jerk speaks up. It's always a jerk that says what she's doing is a waste. What you are doing, what you are breaking and pouring out, isn't worth what you're pouring it out for. Oh, I know it's worth a lot. They're not denying that. But the reason you are broken isn't worth it. You should use it for something else. Your actions are over the top. Your mode of worship is too much. What you have given is worth more than what you have given it to. Your gift is not fit for the occasion. You don't have to give that much. You have given too much. You should not have given it. You should give it to something else. But she kept breaking. And she kept pouring. And she kept anointing. And she kept worshiping. Can I tell you? Can I tell you what her persistence in actions was saying that day? Can I tell you what she was saying without saying when she kept breaking? She was saying, where were you the day that I found out my brother Lazarus was sick? Where were you when tragedy come knocking at my door? Where were you? You never offered me peace in my time of trouble. Where were you when I was alone in my bed, when my brother was dying? Where were you when my family wept over my brother's tomb? Don't tell me that my worship is too much. Don't you dare tell me that the pain that I went through isn't worth me coming here today because the man that I'm breaking in front of is the one that gave me a resurrection. You don't know like I know. It's because when all hope was lost, you're looking at somebody here. When all hope was lost, when I was broken and worthless and undone, 
Jesus came to my tomb and filled me with the Holy Ghost and baptized me in Jesus' name. And there was a resurrection. That's why I'm up here acting like a fool in front of you. That's why I dance the way I dance. Don't you dare sit back there and say, I... They're too much over the top. Let's compare it. An alabaster box. Resurrection. Let's compare it. An alabaster box full of what you call pricey things. Or eternal life. An alabaster box or peace that passeth all understanding. An alabaster box or the power to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. An alabaster box or a church filled with apostolic anointing. There's too many people that are protecting their alabaster box. You're harboring it. You're protecting it. You don't want to get broken because you put too much of a price on it. But if you would understand why you've got that alabaster box, it wouldn't be worth as much as you think it is. You don't know. You don't have a clue how far God brought me. You don't know my testimony like I know it. I can't tell it like you can, Brother Elbar, what Jesus has done for you. When somebody understands where they come from and what they come out of, they won't have any problem acting a fool before the Master. When somebody finally comes to the realization of why they're where they're at, you won't have a problem dancing. I can't act like I just can't get up there and do... You don't understand. If you've ever understood what Jesus did for us on Calvary, you would be ecstatic. You wouldn't have any problem dancing. You wouldn't have any problems running. You wouldn't have any problems running down to this altar. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship God for a minute. We're going to break that right now. I know you're weary, but God wants to breathe life into you right now. Come on, just for a minute. I know I'm not done. Come on. God didn't give me this word tonight for us to walk out of here. I know we're tired. But you know what? 
We've got a few minutes. Come on, let's worship God for a second. Remember, as a child, I may have told this story before, but I'll tell it again. Some of y'all didn't hear it. I've always been one to like war stories in World War II. My Uncle Thomas, my great Uncle Thomas, he, I remember he was sitting in, our, in the yard there with a, he had a pet squirrel. He'd sit, sit it on his shoulder and he was blind. He would let a squirrel eat out of his hand. And us kids would go. He used to tell us all the time about how he went on 13 suicide missions to couldn't stand General Patton. Couldn't he? Uh, Patton. He'd read some things about Patton, and he didn't like him. So he went on. He volunteered for 13 suicide missions just to get out of his out of the rule of Patton. And he said his last tour. He ended up getting thrown in there, and he had to serve in, under him anyway, and he ended up loving him, met him. But I was captivated all the time with stories. We had a, my neighbor, Carlos Serbi, went to church with him. I, I, I preached at his daughter's, their, his daughter's church, and I'll never forget him telling the story. I was probably nine or ten years old, but I was listening, and he said that he went to the supermarket there in southern Illinois, and he, was, he said he went to a grocery store. He was picking things up, and he said he noticed the same man following him everywhere he went. He said, it, he said at first he didn't really think a whole lot. It just crossed his mind. He, so he started walking places on, pur- on purpose to try to get away from him, and the guy kept following him around, staring at him. Every time he turned around, he, he was looking at him. And Brother Irby said, man, it just got under his skin. He was irritated, and he just, he just, it just frustrated him. And uh, finally, after five or six minutes, he finally he stops, and he turns around. And he looks that guy in the face. He said, can I help you? Do I know you? That man looks at him in the face. He said, no, sir, you don't know me. He said, I don't know your name. But he said, I'll never forget you. He said, what do you mean? Tears started dripping down that man's cheeks. He said, you were in World War II. He said, and I was in a death camp with me and my family. He said, and you shot the lock off the door that opened the gate to let me and my wife and my children out. Through the wrinkled eyes and the the old gray hair and his hair had fallen out, he looked at him in the face. He, He said, I'll never forget your face. As long as I live, some things you never forget. The problem with a lot of us is we've forgotten the man that shot the lock off the door. We got to remember when he came and he gave us life. You don't know like I know for me. For me. That's why I do what I do. This is a God thing. This is between me and Him. 
Quit letting people make you feel bad about what you give to God. Quit letting people make you embarrassed to worship God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's stand before the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's stand before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you never, if you never had a resurrection in your life, tonight would be a good time for Him to visit your grave. If you don't understand quite what, what you're seeing, why we're breaking what we're breaking and pouring out before God like we're pouring out, if you don't understand it, don't judge it until you tried it. There's somebody in here right now that's in, with inside of yourself that you feel dead. You feel like you've come to the end of your rope. You don't know how in the world that you're going to make it through. But God is going to visit you in your time of need. And He's going to call out your name. And He's going to say, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Somebody needs to roll the stone away from the mouth of the grave because God is getting ready to, ex to let you experience a resurrection in this place. Would you come to the altar? I don't think I can say another ten things. I preached in my heart. Hallelujah. 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 I was going to end this on a high note, but I believe God's doing what He wants to do. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody needs not to forget the face. Don't forget the face. Don't forget the first time that you felt freedom. Don't forget the first time that He broke the chains off your... Your, your hands and your feet and set you free. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, let's sing. Hallelujah.